Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. If you've got a podcast or maybe a small business, and I mean even a teeny tiny business, the kind of business that you can operate from the tip of your index finger, then did you know you could advertise it here on The Other Stories? If you're interested, get in touch via our website, theotherstories.net forward slash contact. Also, we still have some hardcover limited editions available of The Other Stories Best Of collection. To go and snatch one of them, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash best of. Today's episode is Past Imperfect, written by Dexter McLeod and narrated by James Barnett. Hot pink neon signs littered the otherwise darkened back alley like breadcrumbs for the bold. The directions to find this out-of-the-way dive were hard to come by, and the price was steeper still. Warner had followed the instructions to the letter, but now that he was here, he wasn't sure if the power of his exotic appetites could give him the courage to go through with it. Sirens and raised voices somewhere down the alley caught his attention. Warner slinked against the alleyway's filthy wall. He took in a deep breath to minimise his profile in the pink-tinted shadows. Police were making arrests. He couldn't see much through the narrow alley entrance, but beyond the piles of trash, two twenty-somethings were being pushed into the back of a levitating police cruiser. As the car accelerated away, Warner could just make out pale overhead scanning beams from two City of London police drones, 
They hovered a moment longer, whirring with a near sub-audible hum. When they finished making digital scans of whatever crime scene had just unfolded, they glided away into the night, like slow-motion birds of prey. He glanced down at the space-time coordinates he'd written on his palm. Now or never, Warner whispered to himself. He worked his way through the rest of the alley, keeping to the shadows whenever possible. The solitary door at the end of the alley was faded green, with bits of weathered paint curling off here and there in thin strips. The deep bass thuds of music rumbled from within, and the walls from the alley's dead end vibrated sympathetically like the head of a drum. As he'd been instructed, Warner knocked four times, paused, and then once more. He wondered if anyone inside could hear his knock above the din of the music, but a narrow slit slid open almost immediately. Piercing grey eyes met Warner's. They were framed beneath a buzzed haircut and pencil-thin eyebrows, both dyed a bright lime green. As the man blinked, his fake lime eyelashes closed like the greedy mouths of Venus flytraps. The bridge of his nose was pierced with a silver bar, matching the large septum ring dangling above his upper lip. You lost, mate. Warner realised he should have dressed the part. His conservative clothes must have stuck out like a sore thumb. Wells sent me. Piss off. The man slammed the slit closed. Warner knocked again. Same pattern, but harder this time. The door swung open, nearly knocking Warner back into a pile of old bottles. Clear off, you tosser. I have cash, Warner said before the man could slam the door. The man hesitated, his flytrap eyelashes narrowing to thin slits. Actual cash. Warner nodded. It's 5,000 pounds. The man's gaze ran up and down Warner's frame, as if estimating how full of shite he was. I can pay, if you have what Wells says you do. Warner's sudden confidence made the man look slightly off balance. He glanced down the alley, examining the nooks and shadows. When he appeared satisfied Warner was alone, he motioned him in, with fingers clad with lime green nails longer than his lashes. Do come in, he cooed. As he stepped out of the way, the ruffle of his sequined gown spun like he was nailing a turn on a catwalk. A dimly lit corridor stretched out before Warner. To his right, the wall was punctuated by a row of windows that overlooked a dance club. Lights pulsed with the rhythm of the bass, and go-go dancers performed in levitating glass boxes scattered among the throngs of clubgoers. I'll be your host this evening. You can call me Viridescent. He rested one hand on his hip and held the other out. The cash? Warner dug out the 5,000 pounds and handed it over. Been a while since I saw the real thing, love. Most bring block credits nowadays, but they're much harder to wander. Right this way. He led Warner to the end of the corridor, through a heavy metal door, and into a bright chamber. A burly guard appeared and closed the door behind them. He stood with his arms crossed, blocking the exit. Viridescent grabbed an identification scanner from a charger and shot Warner a smile. Invoking good old Wells gets you in the door. Proving you aren't a chronocop gets you back out of it. He pointed the scanner at Warner and wagged it at him playfully. Time to strip, dearie. Wells had told Warner to expect this. He didn't want to give Viridescent the pleasure of protest, 
so he quickly disrobed without embarrassment. Viridescent collected Warner's clothes and put them in an electromagnetically sealed container. No phones, no e-glasses, no wires. We can't risk any eavesdropping, he said. He then took the scanner and waved it over Warner's left bicep. It beeped over his identification implant. Warner could see a row of closed-circuit screens on the wall, showing images of the alley, the front entrance, and the dancers in the club. Facial recognition scanning was happening in real time, collating the identities of all the partiers. When the scanner beeped again, Viridescent looked at the readout. Warner Hattersley, he said. Investment broker. City of London. He put the scanner up and nodded to the bodyguard. He's clean. Viridescent grabbed a towel and a plain white jumpsuit. Which will it be, love? The clothes? The towel? Or just as God made you? Warner pretended to consider his options before taking the jumpsuit. Viridescent led him into the next corridor, which ended at a choice of three doors. Well, which is your pleasure? Wank, bank, or tank? Beg pardon? Nah, what are the kids calling it now? Fuck, marry, or kill. There's a chrono suite configured for each. Warner re-examined the three doors, unsure which to use. Viridescent pointed to the first. If it's voyeurism you're after, then in here you can watch any of the most intimate moments from celebrities of days past. Actors, musicians, athletes. He pointed to the second door. Or, if you're the sentimental type, you can watch some moment from your own past. Lost family, lost lovers. You'd be surprised how many come to relive days from a favourite childhood pet. He stared at Warner for a moment longer. Ah, not fuck or marry, I see. It's always the tame-looking ones that are after the dark stuff. Here for kill, are we? Want to look at the menu, dearie? The Vesuvius eruptions and the Hindenburg disaster have been popular this month. The cooler months seem to make your kind want to turn up the heat. Warner showed Viridescent the space-time coordinates he'd written on his palm. Ah... Ordering a la carte now, love. Come right in. He led Warner into the third room. It was vaguely clinical, bisected by a glass wall into two separate portions. One side of the room held a series of panels and computers, while the other held the chrono suite itself. A bright yellow hazard line was painted on the floor inside the chrono suite, just inches away from the far wall. The rules are simple. When the chrono suite is active, stay in the chamber behind the glass wall. We will make it opaque for your... privacy. There's a chair for your convenience. The far wall of the chrono suite will open onto your selected time-space coordinates. Under no circumstances should you cross the yellow line. The temporal authorities might be able to detect your passage into the past. And if they do, chrono cops will be dispatched... Wait, entry is possible. Unfortunately. Chrono suites aren't supposed to do that. I thought it was one-way viewing. Well, this is old school. Ours have been built with spare parts we've scraped together. We don't have access to the particle accelerators the legal chrono suites have. So the tachyons flow both ways in our chamber. 
We must piggyback our connection by hacking into the chronoanthropology lab at the Ashmolean Museum. Here on the black market, you get what you get, love. Warner headed into the chamber and took a seat. Viridescent punched in his space-time coordinates. A faint whistle rose in the chamber as the far wall rippled like water. It roiled and circular waves radiated in various spots as if Warner had thrown stones into a lake. The undulation snapped to a halt, and the wall became flat and translucent. For a moment, Warner caught just the hint of the coppery smell of blood. Then the wall opened onto the small apartment of 13 Millers Court, East London, in the early morning hours of the 9th of November, 1888. Warner knew what was going to happen. He studied it in exquisite detail for years, and now, at last, he was going to see it firsthand. A dark figure moved into frame. He attacked Mary Jane Kelly like a madman, spending the next two hours methodically tearing her apart. Exhausted, the man turned to leave the room after his work was complete, pausing only to take the heart with him as his prize. With morbid curiosity, Warner studied the face of Jack the Ripper as he crept out of Whitechapel like a ghost. For a time, Warner thought his curiosity had been sated, but it was only a matter of time before his mind would return to his study of the macabre, the true crime of the decades and centuries past. The solved and unsolved alike would keep him awake at night, and his thoughts would ever return to Viridescent's back alley chrono suite. Viridescent had come to expect Warner's visits. His sardonic wit had given way to mild concern. He appreciated the money, but the years had taught him to recognise obsession when he saw it. He worried what might happen if the funds ran dry while Warner's hunger was still wet. Warner would try not to go back, but the urges would continue to build until he'd found himself wandering down the same shadowed street, needing another peek behind that weathered green door. The knocking, the music, and the security inspection had all become the necessary ritual for his release. Then the cycle would begin again, viewing kill after kill, studying killer after killer. Hello again, love, Viridescent said as he let Warner in. Third time this month, dear. Warner nodded. He handed him his money and a new set of coordinates. They passed through the layers of security as usual, and he got seated in the chrono suite. The glass wall snapped opaque, leaving Warner alone with the vibrating wall. After a moment, the wall opened on a darkened room somewhere in Canada. A lone woman slept softly in the shadows. Moonlight shone in through the nearby window blinds, casting an eerie bluish glow on her face. Minutes passed, and Warner tapped his fingers on the arm of the chair. He began to worry that he'd written down the wrong coordinates. But nevertheless, there she was. He'd seen the crime scene photos. She was wearing the same nightshirt. The light was exactly right. She was there, just waiting. Where is he? She turned slightly, rolling on her side to face Warner. He found himself standing. He shot a glance back toward the glass wall. It remained opaque, 
He crept over to the yellow line, peering in either direction, craned his neck to see as far to either side of the bedroom as he could, but he couldn't see any movement. This was his chance. He just needed a closer look. Warner stuck his head through the portal. The temporal dislocation was violent beyond Warner's anticipation. Instead of just his disembodied head floating in her bedroom, he found the force of the portal sent him tumbling through. He spilled onto the floor, clanging against a table. The woman shut up, screaming in the darkness. Shut up! He yelled. She was ruining everything. The man had to be here any minute. Her screaming would surely scare him off. She jumped from her bed and armed herself with a rock paperweight from her nightstand. She rushed at him. He lunged forward, tackling her back onto the bed. It all felt so instinctual as he wrapped his fingers around her throat and squeezed. She clawed at his arms, scratching his hands as she turned as blue as the moonlight. Soon her eyes became fixed and glassy. Warner stood, the metallic taste of adrenaline blooming in his mouth. His heart was racing, but he tried to calm himself. He spun and returned to the portal. As he stepped back through it, he fell forward in time and tumbled onto the floor of the chrono suite. Two chrono cops stood above him. They jerked him up from the floor, cuffing him before his disorientation could settle. Viridescent was shaking his head. I was really hoping it wouldn't be you. Did you do this? Did you put the wrong coordinates? He never came. Oh, he did. He was you. He was always you, love. You killed that poor woman years before you were born. That's another court case closed, the chronocop said. It's amazing how many unsolved murders were committed by this trash from the future. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Past Imperfect was written by Dexter McLeod, narrated by James Barnett, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Chris Zabriskie and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Dexter McLeod is a writer from the southern United States, though he vacations on the shores of the dim Carcosa. He writes in the darker shades of Southern Gothic, cosmic horror, science fiction, and the new weird. You can follow him on Twitter at, at @dextermcleod, and that's McLeod spelled M-C-L-E-O-D. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast, a short story fiction podcast with tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch other works of his at jamesbarnettauthor.com, and that's Barnett spelled with two T's. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories, you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. There you'll get access to the regular episodes one week early and ad-free, and you'll also get access to a monthly exclusive episode. You can join our book club, movie club, and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawkandcleaver. Be sure to grab one of our hardcover best of limited editions of The Other Stories best of collection, that's at theotherstories.net forward slash best of. And get help with your short stories on your podcasts by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver 
and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.